Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Futures Focus, a fantasy baseball podcast centering around all the top prospects in the game, brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name is Alex Sanchez, and today we are going to be taking a look at the NL Central, which is a fantastic division if you enjoy top prospects. And to talk about some of those top, top prospects, is we're talking elite of the elite, the guys that we're going to talk about here at the start of the episode, you guys already know who they are. Jordan Walker, L.A. De La Cruz, and and more to come. This is top, top of the line prospects, and they're all in the same division, which is kind of crazy. So to help me out with this, I have two of our correspondents on from the St. Louis Cardinals, Jeremy May. Jeremy, thank you for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me, man. And we have Daryl Houck, who is the Reds correspondent. Daryl, welcome. Thank you so much. So as I was saying, we're going to jump right into this. No time to delay. These episodes have been going long, so trying to keep them to an hour of your time. But let's just jump it, jump right into it with these teams. We have elite prospects. I can't think of another division that has the top end talent like this. Sure, you know, your your probably consensus number one is Corbin Carroll, but when you take a look at the rest of that division, uh, some good prospects to be sure, but no, you know, elite, elite. I don't know. But in the central here, we're going to be talking about a couple of the elite, elite guys. And of course, that's the Cardinals, Jordan Walker, the Reds, Ellie De La Cruz and the Brewers, Jackson Churio. And if you're generous, you could probably put Tamar Johnson into that elite category as well. Uh, the Cubs, uh, maybe not so much elite, but we do have a tier one player in PCA, Peter Crow Armstrong. We'll bring him into the conversation too. So gentlemen, what I want to do to start before we jump into your systems respectfully is try to rank these five guys <laughs> in the order that you would want to have them for dynasty purposes, not real life, but dynasty purposes. So let me go over those five names one more time. You have Tamar Johnson, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. You have Jordan Walker, who is probably going to be in the outfield now for the Cardinals. You have Jackson Churio, an infielder, Ellie De La Cruz, an infielder, and we'll throw in Peter Crow Armstrong, an outfielder as well. So Jeremy, I'll come to you. Give me that ranking one through five and a little bit of reasoning on why you're choosing these players in that order. Okay. Um, so I'll go backwards. How about that? Uh, I would put, probably put uh, Pete Crow Armstrong at five. Um, yeah, I would probably wait. Uh, who was name the five again? <laughs> I will have no problem naming these five because I love love all of them. So you got L.A. De La Cruz, Jackson Churio. You have Tamar Johnson and Jordan Tamar. Walker. You have left to rank. OK, so PCA uh, at five. Uh Probably Tamar Johnson at four. I could go for, I could flip flop those two very easily. 
Um, top three are pretty easy for me. The, the, I think I think it's the top the top three guys, and then there's a, a gap, and then those next two. Um, I think at three, I would probably put Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, only reason for that is the K rate scares me a little. Um, not a lot, but a little bit. The other tools are so loud that I think you can you can overlook that to a degree. Um, at two, and man, you could flip a coin on two and one. Um, so I'll put Churio at two, um, and then Homer, obviously, uh, Walker at one. The thing with Walker is I, I just think there's a, a longer track record of the success. Um, proximity, if you're looking from a dynasty standpoint, the proximity is there. I mean, he, he's probably up this year, so that's nice. Um, the other thing about Churio is dude is flat tooled up. Um, but the thing, I, I've seen some... Uh, some reports that he he may struggle a little get, a little against lefties, so that would give me just enough pause to put him at two and slide Walker in ahead of him. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and share my thoughts on the rankings as well, but no surprise to have Walker number one. Um, I do want to just mention quickly is I, I don't know if there is a gap between one, two, three, and then Tamar Johnson. I think there is, obviously those are the, the top three. I don't think we're going to disagree on that, but I don't think the gap may be as large as uh, you kind of implied there. And at least in my opinion, I think Tamar Johnson is one of the safer guys of, uh, on this list because Churio and De La Cruz do have a lot of risk inherited with them as Tamar Johnson. I don't, I think is one of the safest behind probably Jordan Walker, but Daryl, let me get your thoughts on your ranking. Do you agree? Or do you differ with Jeremy in any way? Uh, yeah, I, I would rank him a little differently. Um, and I, I hope I don't sound like a Homer as well, but <laughs> going, going with the same, uh, same rankings as Jeremy going from bottom to top, I, I would put PCA five. I, I do love PCA. I think he's going to be a valuable player. Um, I do think you still have to worry about the injury with him, um, just missing all that time. But, I, I mean, he, he played very well last year, and I think he's still a valuable guy moving forward. Uh, Tamar would still be number four for me. Um, I, I love Tamar as well. Uh, I think he's a great infield prospect. Um, um, so, for me, though, the top three, I would I would change a little bit. I, I would put Churio at at three um walker at two and ellie at one and i know i'm gonna sound like uh, a homer there but if if ellie can stay at short um and that's still an if but if he can stay at short that that dramatically changes his um value i believe uh if he can stay in the infield uh, the reds have toyed around with moving him to third uh there's been talk about him playing in the outfield um, which I think he can do. Uh, so far, he's primarily played short, though. Um, and he's just a totally different player at short. Like, I don't know that we've seen a guy at his size with his power and speed. I mean, he runs like a gazelle. If you watch the guy run, it's just amazing. So I think he would be fine in center eventually, you know, having some time out there to to prepare for the position. But um and then Walker, I love Walker. If he could have stayed at third, I may I may flip him back over to, to the one spot. But moving to right lowers the value a little bit for me. Um, still got a cannon for an arm. Like, he's he's going to be a great player, period, no matter where he's at. But I think his value drops a little bit moving to the outfield. Um, and Chorio, I think, you know, he does have some K-rate issues, as does Ellie, obviously. Um, but I think uh, Chorio is still just further away, and there's less of a track record for me. Um, 
with Churio, but uh, I, I, all three of them are, I think right now can't miss prospects. Um, I do agree with Jeremy and that there is a little bit of a drop off to Tamar, but I, maybe, maybe I agree with you, Alex. It's not as much, but I think it's a clear top three and a little bit of a, little bit of a gap. Um, so you get to the other two. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we say that there's a gap, it implies that, you know, Tamar and PCA are not excellent prospects. It's just that the three that I mentioned there <laughs> for you guys are just I, like, I mean, Corbin Carroll, who probably isn't even really a prospect at this point. We know he's starting day one and has already been in the big leagues. I'm like true, not in the big leagues yet ever. Like these are probably top four, top four for sure. Probably top five guaranteed on everybody's list. It depends on um, if people are believers in Chiro yet or not, or, or whatnot. But in terms of my ranking, I think for sure PCA is at the bottom and then Tamar is uh, closer. Uh, I, yeah, I, you know, I would much rather have Tamar than PCA, but I would much rather have the top three over Tamar. So it, it is a gap. I think there's two gaps there, but if I had, I'm trying, I, <laughs> I don't know how to rank these three, honestly, you guys, like, I'm, I'm glad that the Cardinals guy put Walker one, and I'm glad the Reds guy put <laughs> the Reds guy one. And if David Gasper were here, he would put Cheerio number one. I'm very, very sure of that. So it comes down to me, who has no dog in the game, dog in the fight. Um, I think I'm taking the shot at Ellie De La Cruz being number one here because of the fantasy potential. Uh, if they all hit their ceiling, it's uh, Walker is below Cheerio and De La Cruz because of the stolen bases. We're just, we're not going to see the potential 30 to 40 stolen bases from Walker where we could see from Ellie De La Cruz. Plus I'm a sucker for switch hitters with Ellie and he's playing at shortstop. If he, you know, stays on the infield, that's fantastic. So I'm taking the shot on Ellie De La Cruz. If I'm picking just, you know, in a dynasty draft, um, I think he can be Ronald Acuna of the infield. Um, whereas Jordan Walker, he's going to hit and he's the much safer guy. Uh, but again, the stolen base. And you made a great point, Daryl, of him moving from third base to the outfield certainly does put down the value a little bit. Um, but Churio, man, I tell you, this guy is fantastic. He's so polished and well ahead of his age. But the problem is the other two guys are too. So that doesn't really boost him <laughs> up here. Um, I saw all three of these guys at the Futures game. Ellie put on the gr- best show out of all of them. Like it wasn't even close switch hitting, just having fun. He's huge. Like he is so tall and the levers and the, uh, like the quick twitch is all there. It's fantastic. Walker is a beast. He looks huge. And then Cheerio out of all of them actually looked like the most normal. He was just like this teenager um, and then got in the cage and did fantastic things. So it, you can't go wrong with any of those three. Um, but man, these are some fun prospects. Uh, can't think of another division that has this top end talent. Can you, Jeremy? Oh, not no. I mean, like like you said, those top three. I mean, if we were if we were doing a draft, I would be totally fine taking third and letting whichever one of those three guys fall to me because they're all going to be studs. So, I, I you're right, man. It, it's 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 pretty tough to argue. There's a different division with any more talent than that. No, yeah, it's crazy. Now. Before we move on, I did want to take a little bit of time to shout out to our sponsor, Fantrax. I've been talking about them the last couple of episodes, but it still bears repeating in case you're just now turning in and waking up from the doldrums of the winter. And that's Fantrax is the best 
fantasy baseball website on the planet, especially when it comes to Dynasty. And if you are into prospects, which if you're listening to this show, you definitely are at least somewhat interested in prospects. There is not a better one than Fantrax. Other applications, other sites are adding players year, two years, three years after they've already been in the system. And Fantrax is just completely nuts to me. I don't know how one is able to do it so well and all the others are not able to do it, but that's besides the point. The other point I want to make is the customization that you can get with Fantrax. You can do absolutely anything you want to do in your Dynasty League. We're talking anything from your basic 5x5 Roto League with only Major League players to something like a four-sport Dynasty League where you can trade your... Nate. I'm in a league right now. I'm trying to trade Nathan McKinnon, Colorado Rocky, uh, Rockies, Colorado Avalanche hockey player for Jackson Churio. And Jazz Chisholm. Like, that's the type of deal I'm trying to do on Fantrax. It's so freaking awesome. Check it out. If you sign up today, you will be automatically entered in a contest to win a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. signed jersey. Go to Fantrax.com slash prospects1500 and do that today. As many times as you sign up is how many entries you will get. So uh, it doesn't hurt to maybe experiment with some settings and, and try some stuff out. Best ball leagues uh al only whatever and uh, go ahead and get yourself entered into that contest certainly have a great chance to win so again that is prospects 1500 after the fantracks.com and you can sign up today all right let's see here these are so fantastic i'm going to make you guys wait to talk about your systems because i know you're actually also fans of your systems so let's talk about some of your heated rivals when it comes to the milwaukee brewers we'll start there so the brewers a few years ago had a laughably bad system and our former host david gasper would come and talk to me about all these guys that were in the lower minors and oh just wait just wait um and he gave me a lot of names that ended up be no names, but he did have a couple of names in there that have definitely risen to the top of one of the most underrated systems, I would say, in the big leagues. So it's headlined by, again, Jackson Churio. We've already talked about him, but he is uh, he's tooled up all the way. He is somebody that, you know, I don't know. What, what prospect does he remind you of that has come through in the last couple of years here, uh, Daryl? Oh man, Churio, he's hard to compare to <laughs> anyone. Uh, you know, he's so young still and has all those tools. I don't know if he uh uh man, I'm not sure who to compare him to. Like someone who's not hit the majors yet, maybe like a Jason Dominguez, someone like that out of the Yankees system. Uh someone who's also an international prospect. Um I don't know someone recently that I would compare him to in the majors just yet. Um, you know, he's played the infield primarily, but I think most people think he's going to be an outfielder. Um, so, gosh, maybe a, a slightly less tooled up. Uh, I don't know. Man, I don't know. You're stumping me with that one. Like, <laughs> I don't know who to compare him to in the I'm majors. I'm not looking... I guess my question wasn't so much like compare him as a comp, but like a guy that is in the lower minors that kind of came out of nowhere because with, you know, 
I guess the other guys sort of did too. But like usually these high draft picks, we we know about them right away. But Churio was under the radar for a while there. Um, and, and he reminds me a lot of Acuna when he was coming up. Like all of a sudden, you know, how long did it take for Acuna for you to know who he was until he was a top five prospect? Like it was sort of that ascension, I guess, was, was what I'm yeah. trying to compare to. Um, but yeah, the skills are quite unique, especially like you said, I mean, an infielder who's probably going to be in the outfield. But man, I mean, five tools here. He just knows what to do at every stage of the game. That's what I took away from the Futures performances. Whatever it was that he was trying to do, he was able to do. And that was a pretty big stage for an 18-year-old. Yeah, it almost, uh, you know, an infielder moving to the outfielder who's, you know, he's not very large uh, as a guy. It kind of reminds me of a Mookie Betts. And I hate to put that kind of, uh, kind of, comp to him but i mean mookie made that same move um so maybe someone like that uh you know i I hate to bring it back to ellie but ellie was the same way like he was not even in the top 100 prospects out of that international signing class like he wasn't on no one's radar and then all of a sudden it was like everyone was talking about ellie de la cruz and even not even reds fans like he was just blowing up um and that's kind of what jackson did last year too like he just came out of nowhere I mean, we could talk about these top guys forever. The problem is, if you don't already have them, there is almost no chance that you can get them. <laughs> That's the hardest thing. Like, we can spend even just a few minutes here talking about dynasty leagues, like MLB players. Um, in fact, let's just do that right now, like a rapid fire. If you're in a dynasty league, vacuum one for one. Um, let me give you a couple of names. We'll start with you, Jeremy. Again. Um, Let's do Churio first, and we'll kind of do this with the other guys too later. Would you rather have Churio or Jazz Chisholm? Oh, Churio. Wow. Okay. I got to go high. I thought that was pretty aggressive. Okay. What about um, – actually, you know what? Let's do this. Um, what if I change those names that we talked about earlier for the Pirates and the Cubs because they were so clearly out of the running? What if I put in O'Neill Cruz – and I say you can pick two prospects from the Cubs, and it's a dynasty league, so you get the two. Would that change your ranking anywhere, Jeremy? Um, man, O'Neill Cruz is so enticing. I he he. I can tell you this: I wouldn't be saying that there's a gap between three and four, much of a gap there. I think you would have a really solid top four. O'Neill Cruz. I mean, he's already shown it a little bit at the major leagues. Again, I mean, it would be hard-pressed not to put him in the top two. Um, the Cubs, um, I mean, I'm a really big fan of Kevin Al- Alcantara. Um, I think he could absolutely be a stud, um, but he's not in the category these guys were talking about. So, um, Brennan Davis, too, just throw him out there. Brennan Davis is a stud. Um, it concerned, you know, before he got hurt um, last year, there was some K rate concerns and then you throw the injury into it last year. So there's just enough question marks in there um, for him with me. Um, I think if he takes off this year though, and starts, starts hitting again, he's going to, he's going to make that top five very, very murky. And I would have, Mm. I would, I would have no idea how to rank those top five guys. Um, All right. So go to your head. Where would you put O'Neill Cruz and Jackson Cheerio? Oh man. Um, only because 
a higher level of performance. The numbers, you know, I've, we've seen it against higher level competition. I would put O'Neill Cruz ahead only for that reason, but it's yeah. super close. I agree. I agree. What about you, Daryl? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Jeremy. I would I would go with O'Neill. You know, I was going to mention Brennan Davis. I, I love that guy. I think health has really set him back um, mm-hmm. big time. Uh, he's such a great player, but um, there's just a lot of question marks there now. But yeah, I, I have to agree with both of you guys. It's it's O'Neill Cruz just because he's done it at the major league level. And, you know, if you're looking for impact right now, I guess it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're in a dynasty league or a sim league and you're trying to build for the future, you know, what are you would you trade O'Neill Cruz for uh, for Trio if you're like in a rebuilding position? Uh, I mean, I, I think I would have to have more, so I would it wouldn't yeah. I couldn't do it straight up. So I'd have to say O'Neill O'Neill would beat him out at this point. Yeah. So and you guys had to think about it. What if we compare O'Neill Cruz to Jordan Walker then, Jeremy? Um, because O'Neill Cruz is a shortstop, he gets the nod too. Sorry, mm-hmm. Cardinals fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what? If, and I would as well. I'll let you you speak, Daryl, Ellie, or O'Neill. Oof. <laughs> Man, that's it, tough. It's again, again for me. It's all if Ellie can stay at short. Like if mm-hmm. he ends up moving to the outfield, um, I still think he loses. Now, if he can play in center, that's different. But if he has to move to a corner, then he loses some of the value for me. But I would say if he can stay at short, I I would take Ellie over O'Neill. That's oh, okay. that. Maybe makes me a homer, but I think that the K rates are about the same. Yeah, uh, Ellie's going to give you a lot more speed. Um, now, yeah, I don't. He's going to steal you a lot more bases. So let's not act like O'Neill Cruz is like destined to stay at short either. I mean, I, he's got the cannon, but like he clearly is a six foot six, six foot seven yeah. short. That was we haven't seen a lot either. So. True. Yeah, I mean, him and Ellie are actually probably fairly good comps yeah. for each other. Um, they are, yeah. I but, think O'Neal is so safe because he's in the big leagues, whereas like Ellie has to prove he can hit. Sure. Play. I mean, there's nothing left for him to really to prove. But um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go back to Cheerio here just for a little bit. What about if I go to like an Alex Bregman or Cheerio? Jeremy, what do you think? Well, if we're talking about it from a dynasty standpoint, I'm 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 gonna ride the fence here a little bit and say it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm wanting to win right now, it's clear that I'm going with Bregman. But if I'm building or if my window is gonna be open for a little bit longer, to me it's Churio because I mean, you know, in Dynasty, like it's nice to have, you know, it's it's good to have those safe guys. But it is so nice to have those two or three guys that if they hit, I mean, you're talking perennial all-star. And to me, that's Churio. So, you know, I'm going to take the cop out and say it depends on what (laughs) I'm doing. But if you put a gun to my head, I would probably take Churio, to be honest, just because of the five-tool potential. That was a cop out. So, Daryl, without copying out, (laughs) no explanation. You just tell me Bregman or Churio. I mean, again, <laughs> this is so tough. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think I I would lean Cheerio, and, and I, I think that's tough. But I think right now, if you were in a dynasty league or a sim league, and you're putting together a trade package for Bregman, I think you could do it a lot easier than anyone's going to give up Cheerio. Yeah, you, oh. you 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 could put a package together to get Bregman 
a lot easier than you could get Cheerio. So we have to to mention that there is a very high probability that Cheerio and Ellie de De la Cruz are the highest value they'll ever be like right now. So you have to keep that in mind when we talk about these guys and yeah, it's so exciting about them, but don't keep them off the table. Like I'm, I have Ellie in a couple of leagues and, you know, as soon as I see an offer, I'm tempted to just auto reject it, but you have to take a look and realize (laughs) that this might be the most valuable they ever are because they do have a long way to go and they're so young and there are some red flags. It's not like we're talking Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Can't miss type. We're talking like tools wise can't miss, but there are stuff that they have to prove. Now the same doesn't quite go for Jordan Walker. I feel like Jordan Walker is in the big leagues this year, like right away, if, you know, starting, that's kind of for you to tell us, Jeremy, I guess, in your mind, Mm -hmm. but he's certainly safer where I could see his value even increasing very easily. But keep that in mind when you talk about this, um, that we, I know we do this a lot and it's been very hard for me as a dynasty owner to, to admit this, but honestly, like prospects are not as sure thing as we want them to be. (laughs) Like we just mentioned Brendan Davis, and you guys said stud and Alcantara stud. Yeah, they are. But chances are that one of those three Cubs prospects is going to make it. And the other two are, we're never going to hear from again. You know, yep. so prospects are, are very. Um, they're like the, you know, the girl next door kind of thing where like we get so obsessed over them sometimes. But don't be careful about that. Now, with all that being said, uh, <laughs> the potential is clearly like out of this world, out of this world. So let's go back to the Brewers here just for a little bit and finish up. It seems like every other prospect we're going to talk about today is not nearly as exciting. We just spent about 20 minutes talking about those, but that's okay. That's what I wanted to do. So uh, David has Sal Freelich in tier one as well. I don't know if I agree with that per se, but a lot of people are high on Freelich. He kind of came out of nowhere for me where I get worried about that sometimes. Um, We weren't thinking he was you know, what he was, you know, a year ago, but now all of a sudden tier one. So I'll let you guys discuss that. But we do have Garrett Mitchell, who's probably starting for them right away. We have Bryce Terang, who's probably the next man up if anything goes wrong. And then we have little Joey Reamer, who was everybody's (laughs) cup of tea there in the summer of last year. And now all of a sudden, you know, in tier two here, I would have bet a lot of money that he would have been a tier one player um, the way we were talking about him last you know, mid-season, he was at the Futures game as well. So uh, what do you think about David's list here, Jeremy? I mean, uh, first question, free like a tier one player for you. And then uh, other than that, like, what about Joey Weimer and anybody else that you wanted to talk about here in the, in the Brewers top five? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, um, I like Sal Freelich a lot. Um, I don't know. The only thing I would say is, you know, with tier one, you know, there's that caveat of them playing at an all-star level for a number of years. I think Sal Freelich is a very solid regular uh, player. I think he, when he's up, he's going to hit well. He's going to steal bases. He's, I mean, you're talking like a future top of the order type guy setting tables. Is he an all-star? Maybe. Um, But, you know, I, I, I would be fine with him tier one, tier two, either way. I, I do like him as the number two overall prospect in that system. Um, so I, I, I think I'm okay with him being in tier one, but I wouldn't argue tier two either. I don't get it. Like, I mean, I haven't d- really dived into 
to Sal Freelich, but I mean, we have 11 home runs, 24 stolen bases over three levels last year. Daryl, this is, I mean, what? tell me something about Sal Freelich that I'm supposed to, to <laughs> think of as an all-star here. Well, I'm not the right person to ask because I would have actually flip-flopped Mitchell and Freilich. Uh, I like Mitchell better. Um, I think, to me, they're both tier twos, though. I, I wouldn't have either one of them as a tier one. I think uh, Churio is the only tier one in the system. Um, but I, I actually like Mitchell a little bit better than Freilich. And Mitchell's already, you know, done a little bit in the in the majors, um, you know, batting 311 in his first year. Um, granted, it's a small sample size, only 68 plate appearances, but he he came and he performed, you know, so I, I, I actually like uh, Mitchell better. Um, I think uh, I, I really like and I think people might be sleeping on him a little bit. And that's Robert Gasser. Uh, I like oh, him a lot. And he's got a great name for a pitcher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, throwing gas up there. Um, I do like Weimer. He is a Cincinnati product, so I, I like him a lot. But I, I think Gasser is a sleeper prospect. He's going to be rising up. I mean, David had him at six. I don't know that I would move him too much higher than that right now. But I think at the end of 2023, we'll be talking about him a lot more. Yeah. As a former Padres prospect, I knew a lot about Gasser. Um, you know, any trade that involves Josh Hader and the guy, the main guy coming back, like that, <laughs> yeah. that gives you an idea of just how good he's become. Now he's really matured and I, I can't believe how fast he's risen up through their system. I, I do think the Brewers have some sort of that magic that we've talked about with the guardians. And we'll probably talk here with the Cardinals here in a bit that <laughs> these pitching prospects do make their way up and they get to the big leagues and are effective relatively quickly. I mean, just take a look at the rotation. Those are all Brewers guys. You have, and, and you know, Ashby as well. You have, you know, Ethan Small, perhaps not to the what we thought he was going to be exactly, but Robert Gasser is simply the next guy that's going to be coming up through this Brewer system. Um, I would definitely have him ahead of Terang. I don't know if I would put him ahead of Weimer yet, just because of the, you know, the stolen bases and home runs that you could be getting from him. I think Weimer is going to hit 220 with the swing I saw at the Futures game. It's just really, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he's competing with Ellie and Jordan Walker and these guys and Anthony Volpe, you know, and all of a sudden he gets in there. It's like, what? You don't even know what you're doing, but the ball <laughs> obviously goes off of his bat. I hope he's not listening to this. He's going to be very upset with me. Uh, so, yeah. Um, this is a great system. It's definitely, it's not a top 10 system for me quite yet. It's more in the middle, which to, to say where it was a few years ago, I mean, it was easy bottom five for me without even thinking about it. Um, I see Hedbert Perez here at 13 for David, still, uh, still holding, holding on hope for him, but um, you know, it makes the downfall of Hedbert Perez sort of like what we thought he was going to be sort of turned into Jackson Churio. <laughs> and then now Hedbert Perez has sort of like lost all the magic. But um, yeah, what do you guys think, Jeremy? I mean, in terms of uh, the rankings with the rest of the organizations and Major League Baseball, where does this fall for you? And is there anybody else that you wanted to just mention quickly in the system? Um, I am really glad that Robert Gaster got pointed out because I could not agree more. I think that guy in this system could be a he, he could really take off. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad he got some love. Um, as I scroll down a little further, I mean, I, I'm a Jefferson Cuero fan. Um, I, 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 I do like him. I think he has a chance to, 
to jump up to tier two, um, maybe by midseason, even potentially. Um, you know, sc- scrolling down a little bit more. I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan, so I've got to shout out Bobby Moore. <laughs> um, I don't know that this, the year he had last year at Arkansas helped him much, but he is tearing the cover off the ball in Australia. Not that that says a lot, but, um, you know, I, I think Robert Moore could be sneaky good because he, he does have some pedigree um, as well. But I think the Brewers system is decent. I really do. And I love the way they develop pitchers. So, you know, there's some there's some names down tier three, tier four, some pitchers that probably we're going to be talking about later higher up. So mm-hmm. I actually like the Brewers system. I think that there's a lot of openings for these prospects, at least the hitters, um, just because this is a team that wants to compete, was built to compete, you know, two years ago. Um, the, you know, Garrett Mitchell, if he doesn't make it right, right away, the leash is probably short and boom, and here yeah. comes Freelick. Freelick doesn't do well. Here comes Weimer. Boom. Weimer <laughs> doesn't do well. Here comes Terang. Maybe they shift him to the outfield. Uh, so these guys are like, one of them is going to be up and contributing, if not multiple and, you know, take a look at the the rest of the team like it's starved for offense it has been that way for a couple of years so there's certainly ways to get into the lineup before we take our break I do want to kind of finish off the Cubs I know we're not going to get a lot out of you guys at least objectively speaking when it comes to the Cubs so let's just go ahead and finish it off we mentioned that PCA was in tier one Kevin Alcantara who I agree with you I think people are you know, this is a system that I think a lot of people sleep on. I think Brendan Davis was a consensus top 10 prospect, and really it was an injury that did him in. And now yeah. we're seeing him, you know, in tier two off top 100 lists. Like this guy, the talent hasn't changed, it's the injury concern. So if that's what's scaring you, fine. But you can't just think that he's changed entirely from what he was a few years ago. And Kevin Alcantara, like this was a guy that was a hot name for a, for a minute there at the beginning of the season uh, coming over from the Yankees. And then as a 19 year old in low a hit 273 with 15 home runs and 14 stolen bases with a 360 on base percentage. And seemingly people are now lower on him. Like, I don't know what he was supposed to do. That would be that much like realistically possible in, in low a as a 19 year old. But I think people are sleeping on him as well. You can get these two guys for a lot cheaper than you could. Um, a, f- a couple of months ago or a year ago in Brendan Davis's case. But uh, Matt Mervis is a guy I wanted to talk about really quickly, and we'll go over some of these other names as well. But Matt Mervis, you're not going to get the immediate return with him, which has brought his price down dramatically in a lot of the leagues that I'm in. Daryl, is Matt Mervis still worth investing in, in the idea that, okay, he's not going to be up there right away to help you, but do you believe in him in the long term? So I got in a debate with this and somebody one of my leagues. I am not a Matt Mervis fan and I know I'm in the minority, but I just see a lot of bust there. I I don't know. I feel like um, he's just not going to contribute at the major league level like everyone thinks. So I think he is a sell high candidate in my mind right now. And I, I know I know I'm in the minority and I'm not saying that because I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. I just want to see the Cubs implode, which I do, but um, I just don't, <laughs> I don't trust him. I, I just don't see it. Um, I know he put up some power numbers last year, decent walk numbers. Uh, he doesn't strike out a lot, 
Uh, so I don't know. It's just a gut instinct for me that I, I just don't, I don't see it. I just, I don't, I don't trust him right now. Um, in the Cubs system, I, I love Triantos, uh, James Triantos. He's a young guy, middle infielder type that's just going to play well, I think. But uh, Mervis, I, I just, I don't see it. And uh, I got made a lot of fun of in my league. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. No, I, I'm, I'm interested in that just because if he was handed the starting position, I think we would have a lot different view on him. But, you know, they go out and sign Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer. Like, those are the two guys they went with to block yeah. Matt Mervis with a team that, like, yeah, they're definitely more improved than they were a year ago. Are they ready to compete? Probably not. You probably have a guy that's just as good as those two guys. At least a lot of people think so. Why are you signing those other two guys? So, at the same time, it's, you know, 36 home runs last year in the minors. Um, does It does have that one hit wonder type of potential to bust. I get what you're saying. Um, great call on Triantos as well. He was a guy that kind of fell a little bit, I think, after being drafted. Keep an eye on him. Kind of a post-hype prospect sleeper type of guy. I wanted to point out Christian Hernandez. I think is also like, this system's really good for sure. Um, it was a collaborative effort here at the site, by the way. If you're looking at this with, uh, well, listening in, we had what six or seven guys collaborate on this list and looking at it like I would say oh Christian Hernandez needs to be higher James Triantos needs to be higher oh Owen Cassie needs to be higher oh Canario needs like everybody needs to be higher but that's not possible it's a really deep system <laughs> um, it does drop off I think after Jordan Wicks considerably I thought okay it's a really deep system but tier three with Jackson Ferris DJ Hers is okay I think Caleb Killian had a, a lot of I, when he got called up overall, really, I think out of all the systems, like, yeah, the elite talent is with you guys and the Reds and the Cardinals, but depth wise, man, the Cubs have a lot here and they're going to be just fine the next couple of years, much to your discredit, I'm sure, Jeremy. But uh, what do you think <laughs> of the overall of this Cubs system? Honestly. Okay. So taking my Cardinals hat off, they have a, they have a very solid system. Um, you know, um, I agree. Um, I would like to echo about Matt Mervis. Um, I'm skeptical as well. Um, I, I did acquire him in a dynasty league, but it was, it was for cheap. So I was fine with that. Um, but I'm not looking to acquire a lot of him. Um, but as you scroll down, um, I do want to throw out one name for the Cubs. I really liked Ben Brown when he was with Philadelphia. Um, he did come over to the Cubs. I like him um i don't know that he will be a starter he's gonna have to develop a third pitch probably that change up more to stay in the starting rotation but if he's not he's a huge dude um and he can flat bring the gas and i think in shorter stints it would even um play up even more so you could be looking at it like a setup man or a closer so you know that the ceiling of being like a mid-rotation starter maybe but with the fallback of you know a back end um, bullpen guy is pretty nice. So I, I did want to kind of mention him because I like him, but you man, you are right. Cubs system is, is deep. I mean, as you, as you scroll all the way down, um, I see a name that pops out to me, Miguel Amaya. I mean, man, he used to be the guy, right? <laughs> but he's just been hurt. I mean, if he stays healthy, is he the catcher in 2024? Maybe. 
Um, and that's all the way down pick 21 down there, uh, spot 21, all the way down there and, and towards the bottom of tier three. So, you know, there, there, there is some depth here. I, I have to admit the Cubs are pretty solid. Yeah. I, I confirm what you're saying. What's funny here. Number 34, Reginald Preciado, who was, Lucky. you know, he made our top 100 easily. He was in like the fifties or sixties, if I recall for the site. Um, but man, this is a, a this is the reminder that these low level prospects do have a lot of uh, bust potential when they get up to that that next level. Like rookie ball is much different than low A because that is a, a long fall from grace. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and take a break right now. And I know you guys, uh, you know, I've been patiently waiting to brag about your systems, and I do want to hear about the Reds and the Cardinals, and we do need to talk about the Pirates as well. But let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we'll talk with Daryl. And the Cincinnati Reds, perhaps the best system in Major League Baseball. I'm sure he'll think so. We'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Futures Focus here with you, Alex Sanchez. Joining me, Jeremy May and Daryl Houck. Again, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, it's your turn, Daryl. Let's talk about the Reds. Um, now, I kind of gave that little teaser at the break. Um, I don't think that they're the best system in Major League Baseball, but man, they are in the discussion for that two, three, or four. Um, for me, it was the Baltimore Orioles as an easy selection. But what do you think in terms of the rest of the league? Just how good is this system now after all those trades and uh, what the, you know, the future of the Reds clearly is at this point? Man. Yeah. I think the future is definitely bright. Uh, and it, it's not, the Reds have set a pretty low bar um, on their major league team. Uh, it's uh, not easy to climb that. I think, uh, I think the Orioles are definitely by far number one right now. I, I think there's no, not a lot of arguing you can do there. But I think the Reds are definitely, just like you said, I, I, I like the Dodgers and Diamondbacks better um, overall. Um, there's just so many great prospects there. But I, I think the Reds are firmly in that four, five, six uh, area. Uh, and it's not just Ellie. I think, uh, as you just mentioned, it's a, a very deep system. It's not just top heavy, there, although there are some top heavy names like Noel de Marte, uh, Edwin Arroyo, the joined him coming over from um, Seattle in that trade for Luis Castillo, which really hurt the Reds fans like that. That was the one that kind of stunned. I think we all kind of were okay with the Tyler Malley trade, but Luis was just such a great player for us and then went on and was such a great player for Seattle. It it was kind of hard to see him pitching in that uniform, but uh, I think it added some pieces for us uh, that are just really going to be, a foundational for the future of the team that will hopefully, I think, see a window start to open in 2025. If we're being honest, uh, I think 24 and 23 are going to be rough seasons. 
But uh, we did see Ellie get added to the 40 man this year. So I, I think he will see a call up the end of this season, uh, the 2023 season. Uh, Noel V. Marte was also added to the 40 man, but I, I still think it'll be 2024, the end of 2024 before we see him come up. Um, but gosh, just a great system, I think. And even if I was outside of Reds fandom, it's, it's a great system. Uh, lots of people that you can kind of drool over with Cam Collier, just for some reason, I, I still haven't figured out why sliding down to the 18th spot in last year's draft, uh, when he was there and I'm watching the draft real time, I'm like, yes, Cam, like it was a no brainer. Like, please draft this guy and let's, Unless there is something that the world just doesn't know about, there's no reason that he should still be on the board. And it seems like there wasn't. I, I have no idea why that guy slid down to us. And he just seems like a stud, like he hit rookie ball and just destroyed it. So um, I expect him hopefully to move quickly. Like we don't really have, well, depending on how things shake out, I don't know who ends up at third, but it could be his. And gosh, you could salivate over a uh you know collier at third elliot short maybe india is still there maybe someone pushes him out like matt mclean and then you have really an unheralded guy in christian incarnacion strand uh gosh he he's just hit, done nothing but hit everywhere he's gone uh and maybe you have him at first but uh i think we have a great foundation that we've built here in cincinnati uh, as far as pitching goes, I, there's not a lot of pitching prospects in the minors, but you can say that we have some great young guys in green and Lodolo. And I love Graham Ashcraft too. He's just a bulldog on the mound. I think he's going to be great. Had a little bit of injury concerns last year, um, at the end of the year. But I, I think if he comes back healthy, that is a solid one, two, three, and they're all young and they're all throwing gas. Uh, so I, I really love what we're doing in Cincinnati. Um, Brandon Williamson is another one that lefty made it up to triple a last year, really struggled in double a. And I was reading some things that he was struggling with some of the stuff they were doing to the balls in double a with stickiness. So I, I expect to see him come back and be better this year. Um, Andrew Abbott and Chase Petty are also some pitchers to watch. Um, so I, I think, uh, it's a very deep system. I think when I was writing my first top 50 for the site, I was like, should I be hitting tier four at 25? Is that too, <laughs> is that too many guys in the top three? And, and I think there's arguments to be made for some of those tier four guys to be tier three. Um, it's just a really deep system. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I love the red system. I think they've done a great job building, not just through those trades. Those trades did bring in a ton of talent, but they've just been doing a good job at drafting the last few years and, and hitting on a lot of guys. Um, and that's not to mention Ellie that was an international signing. Like, I think they've done well in that area too, really trying to um, dig below the top tier of guys who they couldn't afford to sign and find those diamonds in the rough in the Dominican Republic and uh, other Venezuela, other places down there. So, um, wow. I mean, a fantastic recap of the system. I think you mentioned a lot of the guys that we, that I wanted to talk about, which is fantastic. As you were saying those things, however, a lot of things kind of cropped up in my mind and, um, I'll ask Jeremy kind of an unbiased 
answer, and then I want you to respond. So, Jeremy, um, Edwin Arroyo in Tier 1, what do you think about that? Um, not going to argue it. I really like Edwin Arroyo. Um, I, I mean, me personally, I probably would have put him Tier 2. I actually share the love for Cam Collier. I would actually probably say Cam Collier hmm. over Arroyo maybe a little bit because I agree. I don't know how that guy slipped 18 and Reds should be thinking they're lucky stars because that <laughs> dude is special. Um, the signability issues is the only thing I can think of, you know, thinking he was going to go to college is the only thing I can think of. But back to Arroyo, I, I do like him. I like him a lot. When he came over um, in that Castillo trade um, from the Mariners, I was thinking, man, that's not a throw in piece. That's a legit piece. So I'm, you know, he knows the system a lot better than me. I don't have any problem with him uh, being up there right at the bottom half of tier one. So I solid system. I I mean, there's guys, as I scroll down, you look at Christian Encarnacion strand at nine. He's not nine in virtually any other system. I mean, Sal Stewart, eight, this system solid. It's tough to argue anything, any, anything in his rankings. That's what I was actually going to go to next with Christian Encarnacion Strand. So I, I think I agree with you too. If anything, I might put just four tier one guys, but that's so hard to do. Like Cam Collier, to me, there's not a lot of difference between Collier and Arroyo in terms of value. I, I think I'd rather have Collier too. So in that case, like I would put him into tier one. Um, but yeah, Edwin Arroyo certainly has a lot of potential. If we're talking about shortstops, we got to, you know, we accept not everybody can play shortstop on this team. There's only maybe needed <laughs> one shortstop. But let me get to Christian Encarnacion on strength because you said, Jeremy, not everybody would have him at number nine, which I agree with, as well as the Reds, because I think that he should be higher on the list. I would much rather have him than Williamson. I'd rather have him than McLean. I would rather have him than probably Spencer Steer as well, except for the idea that, yeah, Spencer Steer is probably starting for the Reds right away. And then you had Sal Stewart, who that's the question I guess I really want to to hit home with you, Daryl, is um, you must really like Sal Stewart to put him ahead of Christian Encarnacion Strand. And I don't think a lot of people know who Sal Stewart is. So can you give us a little bit of a reasoning why you have him ahead of Christian Encarnacion Strand? And then your opinions on like ranking CES. We can't really do that. I mean, nobody's done that yet. But CES <laughs> under Williamson, McLean, and Steer. Like I, I think I, I would much rather have Encarnacion Strand, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand is a player that's kind of gone unheralded through his minor league career. I mean, no one has really ranked him highly at all. I don't think Fangraphs has or MLB Pipeline or no one's really been high on him. But I think last year was a breakout year for him. For me, the reason I put Sal Stewart up there is just potential, man. I, I think he came in last year, you know, newly drafty. He's still only, uh, well, gosh, he just turned 19 uh, just a little bit ago, and he just kind of crushed the complex level. Now, granted, it's the complex level. You know, it's a lot of people can come in there and do good, you know, in Arizona. But he hit 292, uh, no power yet, but walked, you know, really well, 14% uh, walk rate. Um, I just think there's a lot of potential in there for him to be uh, a tier one prospect come next year. Uh, so I'm putting high high expectations on steer i mean on stewart sorry i mix those guys up every every once in a while uh uh but uh i think uh stewart is just uh he could be pushing kim collier for third base uh 
you know, at, you know, single A, high A next year. The Reds, the Reds have a conundrum. And I, I do have an article coming out, a little small plug on where I think all these guys end up. Because like you said, there can only be one shortstop. Um, I just, I, I like Steer slightly more. And we're talking about two players. I mean, gosh, see, I did it. I like Stewart slightly more uh, than CES is what I call him when I write articles. Because uh, it's kind of a long name. Uh, I don't know how they're going to put that on the back of a jersey. Uh, so um, I just, I, I like uh, Stewart slightly more. I think uh, CES ends up at first. Um, and I think he is the long-term uh, replacement for Joey Votto. He's going to have high, uh, big, those are big shoes to fill. Um, but I, I, I just like Stewart just again, slightly more. I ranked him one spot higher. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I don't consider myself like an expert of the industry. Um, if you think that that's fantastic, but I think one of the good things about us not being like in all of these expert leagues that we share with is like you listening to this as a listener, right? You're in normal leagues as well. So I'm saying all this, I got Sal Stewart in the fourth round of my first year player draft based on what you're saying right now. I'm really, really happy about that. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, I would be excited about that. Yeah. And so it's just a reminder, like these first year player drafts, there's so much value to be had and you can get guys super late. Like you're not in this you're not in an expert league, right? Most of us are not in expert, expert leagues where everybody knows everything about everybody and scouts their own players and midnight to 5 a.m., you know? So, like, you can get these values, but you got to know the values. And, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about Sal Stewart. We had our draft, you know, two months ago or so. Like, we had it really early. But, man, I did look at your article, and I saw he was so high. You had him above Christian and Encarnacion Strand, who I loved. I'm like, well, I got to take this guy for sure, so. I'm um, just a, yeah, kind of I mean, a uh, reminder. The league that I am in, we draft right as the real draft is happening, and he went in the second round. So I think you did very well. <laughs> <laughs> now, this system, it's so good, and perhaps that's the answer to this question I'm about to pose to you. But I do see a lot of names on here that I was very excited about last year that are below all these other guys. And so I'll let you kind of answer that how you will. But I'm specifically talking about Jay Allen, Reese Hines, Victor Acosta, who I know very well from the Padres, and Austin Hendrick. These are guys that, uh, oh, and then uh, 24, Carlos Jorge as well. Very highly ranked guys going into the season last year, but now have dropped a little bit. Now is that, I'll let you kind of answer that in your own way, if you will, Daryl. Yeah, I mean, you can't have everybody in tier two, right? Like, there's just so much bust in prospects. And we all love our prospects, um, especially for our own teams that we follow. And I don't just write for the Reds. I, I love the Reds. Um, I've been a Reds fan for as long as I can remember. So I just, you know, there has to be some players that you just don't expect to reach their lofty uh, <laughs> the lofty goals that we have placed on them. I think, you know, specifically, um, Allen could very well prove me wrong. Um, I think out of all of them, the ones that you just mentioned, he would be the one that I wouldn't be shocked if uh, I just totally missed Jay Allen. Um, he is on the top of my tier three, but um, I think Reese Hines, uh, there's just been so much injury issues and now with the move to the outfield to try to hopefully save him from playing the hot corner I think 
uh, that dropped him in my rankings quite a bit. Um, still, you know, number 14, uh, not not anything to shy shy away from. I think the biggest one of those uh, that's just been a kind of thorn in the side for the Reds that he just didn't take off like a highly rated uh highly drafted prospect would be Austin Hendrick. Um, you know, he was the one that when I was sharing my article on red sites on Facebook and Twitter, people were like, well, I can't believe you have Austin Hendrick that low. Um, I just, the bat just has never come around and I just don't, I don't see it happening. I just, I, I, I would, lo- I would love to be wrong. I, I would love to be wrong on Austin Hendrick and he is still young. Like he's still just 21. So he has time but uh, he's a very polarizing player in, in Reds, <laughs> Reds fandom. And like he, he hit 205 last year with a 40% strikeout rate, and the Reds called him up. They moved him up to, uh, to double A, and he just didn't – he wasn't warranted. He didn't need that move. He needed more time. Uh, but there was just a lot of injuries happening in the, in the system, and they called him up to double A, and he – didn't do any better there he hit 222 um so with i mean he has some power in the bat but he just doesn't get to it enough to hit 220 um he's just a guy that i just don't see it happening he's gonna have to be protected in the rule five after 2024 at that rate he would be in triple a and i he i don't think he should be there if anything he needs to go back to high A and see if he can figure some stuff out. If there's a swing change they can do. Um, you know, I had some people arguing with me that the Reds have tried to get him to be more of a power hitter, um, to change his launch, launch angle. And I don't know enough to speak uh, educated lead to that. Um, but it just hasn't, it hasn't happened. Uh, he's the 12th overall guy. He, he should be, you know, I would say excelling in double A at this point and hopefully moving up to triple A. Um, so granted he does have some time at being 21. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Honestly, you know, I had a hard time keeping him in tier three and people still were mad at me that he wasn't, you know, tier two. And to me, gosh, I could see him being a tier four guy at the end of this year. Um, and again, this is somebody that I would love to be wrong about. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. don't see it. Yeah. And Carlos Jorge, like, man, a lot of these guys that are international signings that don't have a lot of a track record. I just have me personally, I struggle with um, moving up. Now, you could throw Carlos Sanchez at me and he's just somebody that I love and most people won't even know him. So he's an international signee, too, but he killed it like he just destroyed destroyed the ball and um he's someone i'm very high on um you know you can pick at you know maybe you should have jorge over cabrera since he has at least a year of track record but um then i'm going on potential and i i I like cabrera just slightly more Mm -hmm. um so that's a long-winded answer but that's uh that's how i feel about hendrick and heinz those are guys that either just haven't performed or just have had lots of injuries and and i think you did make a good point on Allen. i he's the one i think could really burn me and i could have whiffed on entirely myself okay so last question here and then we'll move on to the cardinals here for jeremy who's been waiting patiently thank you jeremy <laughs> um now okay 
we all agree this is a top five system in some capacity. I would probably put ahead of the Dodgers, to be honest. But here's the thing. Okay, here is the depth chart for the Reds in some sort of way. You have Tyler Stevenson, great catcher. Okay, he's probably there. There's no catching prospects anyway, so you're set there. But then you got Joey Votto, Jonathan India at second, Spencer Steer, Kevin Newman, some sort of out left field of Chad Pinder or Jake Fraley, Nick Senzel in center, and Will Myers in right, plus somebody has the DH. So there are going to be a ton of openings this year, next year especially, and that third year. Like, there's so many ways to get into this lineup. Now, the problem is, when looking over at your list here, Daryl, nobody is in AAA besides Brandon Williamson, who is a pitcher. That doesn't really work for us here. And Spencer Steer, who I already mentioned. So, like, who's up first? And is this worth picking up guys in the system that are a little bit closer but might be a little bit lower on your list because they have, you know, a Jake McCarthy type of feel like for the Diamondbacks. He was not a top prospect for them, but he was the first one up. And now he's like a legitimate dynasty asset because he came up and balled out. So who's somebody like that, like that Jake McCarthy that, you know, they're going to be up first. They might not be in the top 20, top 15, but everybody else is in double A or below. So what are the Reds looking at here for prospect in 2023 and really, really close uh, to the big leagues? Gosh, I, I think the Reds are going to play the service time clock on a lot of these guys. They're not going to want to start their clock anytime soon. You know, I said Ellie was added to the 40 man, but I, I think unless he goes nuts in spring training, I don't see him cracking this roster. I, I, I don't think he does. Same with Marte. Like, I, I don't think he does either. You're, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a guy that's going to be balling out. Uh, like you said, there are opportunities, I think, on this roster. I think uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand would, might be that guy that actually comes up. You know, no one thinks Votto is going to be healthy to start the season, so they're going to need a first baseman. Um, I don't know if that's Spencer Steer that slides over there. Um, he might be the only person on the roster that could do it. Um, so I think – I think CES, unless he just bombs in spring training, is the guy that plays first to start the year out in Cincinnati. Um, McLean, I think, you know, he's going to start the year in AAA. Um, I think he could maybe make the roster if he does well. Um, but his primary position is short. Um, so he would have to move Jose Barrera, who supposedly had a great uh, winter league. Um, hopefully he's maybe bought into some swing changes, but I, to me, I don't think, I don't see Jose Barrera being the shortstop of the future for the Reds. Um, if someone came in and actually just obliterated spring training like McLean or, or even McLean isn't on the 40 man yet. So I, I don't see them. I don't see them wasting a year of service on anybody. Um, unless Ellie does it since he's already on the 40 man. Uh, our 40 man is full last time I checked. So I don't think uh, they would add McLean and then start his clock. Um, so I, I think the Reds are actually going to be playing it very slow with all of those guys. Um, you know, I, I was really disappointed the, in the uh, Will Benson trade that they just completed uh, this week. Um, I think Benson's a great athlete and could play. Uh, he definitely wasn't on this list since he <laughs> just came over from the Guardians. But I like Alejo Lopez a lot as a utility guy, and they 
uh, put him on waivers to make room for Benson. I, I think he would be a guy that actually has performed well and hit everywhere. Um, and they just let him go for Will Benson, who, you know, did not do well last year in his little cup of coffee in the majors. Did did well in AAA, um, but I, I, I don't see him being an outfielder of the future for the Reds. I like McGarry a lot. He made it up to AAA last year. He could also fill that first base hole if they don't want to start uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand. I think Mc- Michael Ciani is another guy to keep an eye on. He came up and uh, didn't do very well, uh, but it was a very late call-up last year due to injuries mostly. Um, he's going to steal you a ton of bags, get on base quite a bit. Um, so Ciani would be a guy if you're in a deeper league to keep an eye on. Um, but there's, there's not a lot that I think the Reds are going to give an opportunity to, uh, to actually play to start the year. I I think any of our call-ups are going to be late season call-ups to just see what we got, um, except for CES and possibly Alex McGarry coming up at first base. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a rough go for the Reds (laughs) this year. Um, the future is bright, but uh, 2023 is going to be rough. Yeah, it's going to take a while. I mean, when you look at some of the other systems like the Orioles, like all those guys are coming up. Um, the Braves a few years ago, right? All those guys kind of came up together. And then, you know, Diamondbacks, another good example. Like these guys are, are ready right now, most of them. But nobody's ready for the Reds. It's going to take a while. So if you're an optimist, it's certainly a fantastic system. If you're a realist, it's definitely one that is probably going to uh, scare you a little bit down the line because these guys have such a long way to go. And we know that, you know, a lot can go wrong really quickly if you're in the lower levels. So now let's go over to the Cardinals here with you, Jeremy. A little bit different, right? I mean, it's going to be harder to crack a lineup here um, if you're not Jordan Walker anytime soon. This team's pretty good. There's not a lot of um, holes in it and uh, they are known though for bringing up those random guys that certainly turn into uh fantasy gold mines so we've talked about walker we don't need to go down that road again what about mason win i think i'm sort of off mason win now to me he's a an amazing fun talent but in terms of like a fantasy all-star i don't know if he's going to be but a real life all-star for sure so i'm, I'm kind of torn so go ahead and convince me that Mason Wynn does indeed belong in tier one. So my thing with Mason Wynn, um, the tools, and like I said, he potentially, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being a better fantasy asset than Jordan Walker in the end. I think, and Cardinals fans probably aren't going to be thrilled with this idea, I think Mason Wynn needs more time. I mean, the guy is 20. He just hit double A. Yes, he hit well in double A and he and he looked passable to, you know, average at shortstop at that double A level. But he's young and there's still some development to go here. I, I think for me on Mason Wynn, it's all about the potential. The potential is there to be an absolute stud. He's going to steal bases and he's going to hit for power. A lot of um, the. Um, analysts for the Cardinals and a lot of the beat writers that I that I've researched while doing this have had a lot of things to say about that his he hasn't tapped into the power yet there's more power to tap into it's coming it's coming um, and so for me it's all about that 
Um, the thing that will keep him on a longer leash is that he is got an absolute rocket for an arm. So he can make the throw from any place uh, up the middle. Um, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen the, um, in the futures game when he threw, what was a hundred, a hundred point five, I think from shortstop to first base, which I mean, is jaw dropping, but I mean, it, you know, that's, it, it's sexy, but I don't know that that's, you know, something you want to see, uh, all the time. Um, not if you're, uh, Justin Turner, he didn't like that, <laughs> but, um, it's, a, I think when he's done, he's going to be a very, very good shortstop, um, with a great arm and he's going to steal bases, hit you know, for a moderately decent average um, and hit with some pop. So uh, I'm still in on him. I just think, you know, I, I always like to say that um, prospect development is not linear and a 20 year old in double A is going to have some hiccups and either you're going to see some warts, but that's why he's there. Um, and I think he needs, I would like to see him sp- spend most of this year still in double A against that high level of competition and, and kind of round out his game all the way around. So that I don't know that I sold you that he's tier one, um, <laughs> but um, hopefully I won you over to his side a little bit more. Well, okay. So to me, he reminds me of a guy that actually played for the Cardinals shortstop um, as Braves and Dodger players much more well known, but that's Raphael for call who was an all-star. In fact, he was mm-hmm. a three-time all-star. Yeah. Um, I kind of view Mason Wynn as that. I don't see the power. I don't see him hitting more than 15 home runs in a year. And I think he's going to steal a ton of bases and he has great defensive values. So he's going to play every day. But like to me, he's Raphael for call. It, it, what do you think about that comp? Have you heard that anywhere? Is that kind of out of left field for you or what? That actually, I have not heard that. But that's that's not out of the question. And honestly, as a Cardinals fan, if you tell me that he's Raphael for a call, I'm good with that. Um, you know, Rafael for a call, like you said, three all-star games and was a very productive major league baseball player. I would take that for Mason Wynn. That, that wouldn't, that wouldn't scare me, but I like him to be more sure. But I agree. Uh, 15 bombs, you know, maybe when he's, when he's at his peak in power, um, you know, if he's going to steal you 20 bases to go with that and play gold glove level shortstop as a Cardinals fan, man, I'm taking that. All right, let's move on to tier two here because we've talked about this a lot. We've never really had a Cardinals guy on to tell us how they do it. So uh, how are they going to turn Alec Burleson into uh, the next Tyler O'Neill and just kind of come out of nowhere and be an all-star? Like, how do they do it? Yeah, so short answer is I I don't think they do. Um, In my write-up, I said in the first line, that I don't, the Burleson is a guy that I don't think it's enough, gets enough respect. And, and and I mean that in the sense that I don't think he's going to have those standout tools. He's not going to, he's not a burner. He's not going to steal you a bunch of bases. He's not going to hit a ton of home runs, but the guy is going to do a lot of things well, and that will win you ball games. St. Louis Cardinals fans love guys like what Alec Burleson could be a guy that's going to probably be a fourth outfielder dh uh potential maybe corner or first base type guy um but he's probably going to deliver some clutch hits and win you some games um is he a big league regular maybe is he an all-star highly unlikely um but again he's a guy that hits the ball well 
Um, he'll probably flirt with a 280 to 300 average at times. Um, but like I said, he's probably not going to be an all-star. Um, and he may not even be an everyday regular all the time. Um, but I think he's a guy that you want on your bench because he will help, he will help win you games. And if he does reach that upside, um, you know, he, he could be that super utility guy that's going to, you know, hit you 15 bombs a year off the bench. And that that's, there's value in that, especially for a team that, um, you know, is competing uh, regularly for, you know, the playoffs. So. Okay. So if it's not going to be Burleson, we have, you know, just taking a look at these names, I'm just going to go back here. So, like, Brandon Donovan, who the hell was that? Now yeah. he's like obvious regular starting second baseman. Tommy Edmond, who the hell is that? Like, yep. he's a fantastic fantasy asset for you. Um, a lot of Lars people that know Newbar. who Ronnie Pez was, boom. You have Lars Newtbar. Like, who the hell is Lars Newtbar? Right. Boom, he's your right fielder. So, if it's not him... It's Moises Gomez, isn't it? Don't you think? I mean, that guy is criminally underrated. I don't know why people aren't going to just go out and get this guy wherever they can. What do you think about that? So, see, I I like Moises Gomez. Um, I do. Um, again, the K rate, I, I, a K rate of 30% or higher does concern me. And the other thing that concerns me, and I think I said this in my write-up, the Rays just don't miss very often, right? on their yeah. prospects mm-hmm. and they gave the guy away basically. So that gives you pause, but I've read a lot of things that he came into the Cardinals in better shape. Um, he's rededicated himself, uh, work, you know, putting the work in wise. Um, so, you know, sometimes a change of scenery does a guy well, and I'm really hoping that it does. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you argue with 39 bombs and 94 RBIs? I mean, you know, I, you know, going back to Matt Mervis. So he had a great year last year and he went through the stratosphere. And like you guys said, is, 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 you know, climbed way up on lists. Why didn't Moises Gomez have that same type helium? I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, Probably the strikeout rate. (laughs) Most likely, most likely. You know, if it's 35, 40%, it's not 40%, but if it's 35% in the minors, it's going to be what five to 10% more in the big leagues, which you can't play. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that would put him somewhere around 38, 39%. That, that, that's, that's no good. And Mervis, we, we mentioned actually is good at not striking out. So I think that That is is, true. That is true. There's a difference. Now, um, let the pitching here, because Mm -hmm. they're, um, just going quickly over, um, to the depth chart here for the Cardinals. I'm, not familiar, but let me, I have it up here right now. So we have uh, Flaherty, who is a question mark and coming off the injury, Jordan Montgomery, Adam Wainwright's a little older, Miles Nicholas, a little older. So yeah, the, the rotation is questionable. Is that fair to say, Jeremy? Oh, for sure. For How's sure. That, yeah, no, questionable, you know, is, is definitely a word I would use. Questionable from a actual production standpoint and questionable from a health standpoint. I mean, those aren't, you know, uh, Michaelis has had an injury past. Flaherty clearly has had an injury past. So, I mean, you know, that, there's a lot of questions there. And I know a lot of Cardinals fans, you know, on a lot of the message boards and stuff, they were really um, upset that they didn't do more to address the starting pitching. You know, even there was a lot of rumors about uh, uh, Lopez there from the Marlins potentially going to the Cardinals before he got traded elsewhere. And so uh, there's a lot of Cardinals fans who share that that frustration. And I'll go one step further there's questions for this year 
But it gets even scarier after this year. Wainwright, is he, I mean, is he truly retiring after this year? Michaelis, free agent after this year. Jordan Montgomery, free agent after this year. Flaherty, free agent after this year. Uh, Matz is, you know, locked up for two more years. I, I think it's two more years after this year. Um, you know, if you go a little bit de- deeper, Dakota Hudson probably is the first man up if one of those five goes down. He's got one arbitration year left, and then he's a free agent. So there's going to be some holes to fill. Um, and, you know, I think there's some real angst in Cardinals Nation about, number one, what do we do this year? And then after this year, what do we do? I mean, do we shell out a, a bunch of money to re-sign a Jordan Montgomery and potentially a, a Miles Michaelis? Um, so, yeah, to say that the pitching is, is, is a question mark is is maybe the understatement of the podcast. <laughs> well, the, the, the point of that question was to say how great these pitching prospects are for the Cardinals, because the reinforcements are on the way. Now, granted, they're not coming right away. But sure. if you take a look at some of the potential arms here, um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about them. But, man, these arms are pretty, uh, you know, they're, I'm pretty envious of these arms that the Cardinals have down here. Go ahead and, and give me your thoughts on some of these names. Yeah, so you're right, and and, and that's a perfect segue into it. Um, Gordon, I've got Gordon Grachefo at number four. Love that guy. Um, yes, he had a pop-up year, and I know that, you know, pop-up pitchers, you kind of go side-eyed at them sometimes, but the dude can command his arsenal, and that 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 is a big thing for me. Um, you know, he may not be – he's not going to be a number one. No. Um, is he a two? Maybe. Is he a three? Yeah, probably. He's probably a number three. Um, but he's a good number three, um, you know, and, and, you know, he absolutely shoved it this year in high A. I mean, it, it was insane what he did. I mean, over 45 innings, he had a 0.99 ERA and a 0.68 whip. I mean, that's just, that's nuts. And then he went up to double A and double A notoriously in the Texas league is, is a definitely Henley, uh, hitter friendly league. Um, and yeah, there were some bumps up front, but, um, Towards the back end, he was right back to, to being dominant again. So I'm I'm very high on Grecheffo, um, for no other reason other than the fact that he he commands his his arsenal well. Um, Tink Hintz, uh, really 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 like um, the potential there, but he, he is not close. Um, single A, but I think he's gonna he's gonna hopefully be a slower developing pitcher. Um, he only has like 60, I think, professional innings pitched so far. So, yes, his stuff is electric, and he probably has the best stuff of these pitchers I'm going to mention, but he, he he's not close. So he's going to be a little further down. Um, Cooper, and I hope I say this, Jerpe, I'm going to. I believe it is, yeah. I, that sounds right. Um, didn't get to see him professionally last year since he was a college sign um, out of Oregon State. I think there's a ton of um, potential there. Um, I've heard a lot about his his uh, delivery is pretty deceptive because he kind of throws from like a, a low three quarters crossfire type. Um, a lot of people have said kind of like a la Chris Sale. It kind of looks not, not to comp him, but the the, re- the release kind of looks like that. Um, so if he can prove that he can keep that delivery repeatable um, against professional hitters and and stuff like that, I think he could really help. Um, Matthew Liebertor down at nine. Um, I'm not out on Matthew Liebertor. I, I want to be up front. Um, I, I just don't know that he is. He, he's number four, maybe for me. Um, 
the fastball just I, I just don't know that the fastball is going to make it more than a couple times through the through the rotation. Curveball is truly a weapon. It's nasty, um, but the fastball just 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 worries me. So I I'm probably lower than some Cardinals fans on Libertor. Um, Bryson Motts, another left-handed pitcher they pulled this year, like him a lot. Michael McGreevy, um, at 13, I, I probably am low there, honestly. Um, he had a very similar um, uh, trajectory to, to Grachefo this year. He started out in high A, was dominant, went up to double A, struggled a little, but then got it back together at the end of the year. Another guy that's got a really good um, four-pitch arsenal and commands it well. So really like him. Um, so, you know, between McGreevy and Grachefo, there's two guys that could be ready next year, potentially. Um, Mott's not far behind. Um, Jerpe not far behind. Libertor is probably a big leaguer this year. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's in the rotation at some point, just for the sheer fact that those five guys will not stay healthy. Um, so the, the reinforcements are there. Um, are they going to be enough to continue that playoff push? Um, I don't know. That, that remains to be seen. Um, but I think there's potential there for to, to be very excited about. So I can confirm it is jerpy. I was looking that up as you were writing. Just drop the H. So I good, good. That way I'm not butchering it from now on. So good. <laughs> now you. Uh, you 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 listed a lot of the names, and I'm honestly everyone that I wanted to talk about you've mentioned. So that's really nicely done, and I do think we owe it to the Pittsburgh Pirates to talk about their system a little bit. So do you have anything to quickly, quickly add there, Jeremy, before we move on to the lowly pirates who get pushed to the wayside once again in the NL central? <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's tough to follow the reds. Daryl's got a heck of a system there. Um, <laughs> def Cardinals definitely don't have that depth, but um, you know, as you scroll down on the list, man, there's still some names in there that could pop. Um, and you know, it, we see it every year. There's going to be a name low on my list if the Cardinals pull up and he ends up being a serviceable major league player. So, um, you know, there's always going to be that guy. But um, a name that I think I would like to throw out there um, and give a little run to, uh, I got him down at 16, Victor Scott. He's an outfielder. Um, he was a fifth round pick um, in this last year's draft, I think out of West Virginia, if I remember right. Um, he has the potential um to be quite a steal at that fifth pick. Um, got a lot of speed, uh, developing power, but he's a guy I, I, I really, really think Cardinals fans should um, be excited to see over his first full year in professional ball. Um, I've seen some people talk that, you know, if he develops and if he can um, get the hit tool a little more refined against upper level pitching, that there could be a potential uh, future leadoff hitter there. I don't know that I'm ready to anoint him yet, um, but somebody that I think Cardinals fans will want to keep an eye on that maybe isn't getting a lot of um, run out there in the yeah. in the prospect. Those, names, those Cardinals names at the lower unknown, <laughs> you have to really remember um, yeah. because history has repeated itself over and over again. All right, let's move over to the Pirates here and uh, we'll just try to kind of quickly go through this I mean, i'll go back and forth between well i'll ask you both the same question and we'll see what you guys respond don't need a huge amount of analysis just to try to keep this under uh you know what i tried to say i would which i we we have not done so but 
let's try not to go above even more. So we talked about Tamar Johnson again. I think one of the safest first year player draft guys you can get. Go ahead and take him with your top three picks. Totally fine if you want to take him number one as well. But let me ask you this, Daryl, is Andy Rodriguez the most underrated prospect in Major League Baseball right now? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he would definitely be on the list for sure. Uh, I think it, we are not appreciating him uh, nearly as well. And being a catcher uh, definitely sets him apart. Like, you don't see that a lot. Uh, those catchers are just raking in the minors. So, yeah, I think definitely he would be uh, uh, one of the people that we aren't valuing as high as we should be. Yeah. What do you think, Jeremy? Underrated? I mean, can you think of another person more underrated than him right now? Uh, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to find somebody different. I absolutely. So I, I liked him a lot. And then when I did the collaboration on Pirates and I got to kind of research in their system a little more, I absolutely fell in love. The, du the, the dude's legit. Um, my only question is, uh, are Austin Hedges and Tyler Heineman good enough catchers to keep him down? um <laughs> for very long so um i think i said it in the article or in the write-up um if your league mates are not valuing him now would be the time to jump on that he's adley rutschman like <laughs> he did better than i mean adley rutschman did as a switch yeah, hitting he's catcher a, he's a stud is henry davis then the most overrated player in, in terms <laughs> right now because Quite I'm possibly. sort of over Henry Davis. What do you think, Daryl? Yeah, I, I agree. I was quite possibly same position, same team, and uh, Indy's definitely lapped him. Uh, and I think uh, Henry Davis. I, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, I don't want to say the ship has sailed. I mean, I, I'd love for the kid to do well, right? I don't want anybody to fail, but I think uh, we need to lower our expectations on Henry Davis and. He's no longer the catcher of the future in Pittsburgh. He he might get pushed over to first base and maybe just a corner infield backup player at this point, which is not where they drafted him to be. Yeah. I think that first overall, you know, yeah. I remember when that draft happened, how surprising it was to hear his name go number one. And I never got over that, to be honest. I, I think he's a major leaguer. Like, I, I certainly the ship hasn't sailed on him. They're going to give him every chance to make the roster and maybe he's a 250 hitter who hits 20 home runs at first base or something just not valuable for you dynasty wise but like he's probably going to make it but I would much rather have Andy Rodriguez right now um, speaking of overrated I mean the next two guys in tier two again we don't really have a Pirates beat guy right now but Nick Gonzalez Quinn Priester man these guys seem overrated too maybe this whole system in general is overrated but I love the the top two guys too much to say that, but man, Quinn Priester, Nick Gonzalez also overrated, or do you still believe in these guys a little bit and perhaps it's a good time to, uh, to buy them from uh, wherever you can, Jeremy. So I like Priester better than Gonzalez. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I think, I think I'm out on Nick Gonzalez and I hate to say that because much like Daryl said, you don't, you don't want to see a guy, fail uh by any stretch of the imagination but in dynasty league for dynasty purposes i'm i'm not looking to acquire nick gonzalez um if i have him in a league which i i don't um and somebody still values him i'm jumping on the opportunity to move him um it's just it's just not 
good right now. Um, and he did battle some injuries. And so, you know, we got to give the guy credit, but I've, or, or some slack. I mean, we've got to, but you've got to think that 2023 is the year. I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't start to turn it around this summer, I mean, he's, his, his value is going to really fall. I think, um, Priester, I'm still, I still like Quinn Priester. Um, I, I think if you look at his numbers, they don't tell the whole story um, because I, I actually got a chance to see him uh, live. Um, and he, he, he looks, he looks like a big league pitcher. Um, I think he, he's athletic. Um, he's got a good four pitch mix. So there's not a lot of risk of, of, of him, you know, um, not being a starter. Cause he does have a good, a good mix of pitches. He's got a decent command. Um, and when he went up to double a last year, he actually pitched fairly well. Um so I think I would still be in on on Priester, um, but not not Gonzalez. Yeah, him and Austin Martin like mere images of each other. Oh goodness, <laughs> goodness. Um, a couple of guys though in tier three, I would actually try to go out and pursue um, with more um, excitement, I guess is the word I'm looking for, than Quinn Priester, Henry Davis, and Nick Gonzalez. That's Luis Ortiz. I feel like he's a good, ready-to-go major league starter that mm-hmm. is could be had for relatively cheap. I, I got him in another league. Um, I'm trying to remember who I gave up. It was it was a pros- a hitting prospect. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and tell you who I got him for. But I think he's a decent um, guy to go after. Um, you know, Travis Swaggerty, Matt Frazier and uh, who's the other guy I wanted to mention? Um, like, no, I forgot the other guy, but, uh, or oh, uh, Gorski. Like these are all guys mm-hmm. that are kind of ready to go. And it's similar to the Reds in that there's not a lot of competition ahead of them. So they probably will be beneficial for you if you're looking at a dynasty right away. Um, otherwise, like it's not, again, I, this kind of always happens with me in the Pirates. I always see them ranked really highly when it comes to or, or you know organizational rankings and I you know initially I was like okay I'm thinking a lot of guys here but the more we go over it the more I'm thinking it's the future is not nearly as bright in Pittsburgh as it is in Cincinnati because the major league teams for those two clubs are eerily similar um but the I would much rather have the red system what do you think Daryl oh yeah for sure I I think uh the reds are definitely by far I mean I wouldn't put, uh, well, I mean, tomorrow we talked about, you know, top five guy, but I wouldn't put Indy. Yeah. Indy's a tier one, but I definitely would put him behind Edwin and, uh, <clears throat> in my other tier one guy, my mind's gone blank. It's late here. Uh, so I wanted to say something like a guy in Pittsburgh that I like is Jiwan Bay. I think he is going to be a great utility guy, gets on base a ton, draws, walks, steals bases, gets you positional, you know, flexibility all over the diamond. Um, and he's passed up Nick Gonzalez. I, I just acquired Nick Gonzalez in a trade and I didn't want to, uh, <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was dumped on me in a package for, I don't even remember who, but it was a big package. And, uh, he was trying to pitch Nick Gonzalez as the, the main uh, piece of it. I'm like, no, nah, man, no, I'm, I, I don't, I'll use him this year just cause I don't have anybody else, but that's about it. I, I don't think he's ever going to hit enough to make it. And that's disappointing. Like he was supposed to be a hitter, right? That was his calling card was his hit tool and he's not hitting. So don't really have much to fall back on. I think 
Jiwan Bay is going to take any playing time that he would have gotten in Pittsburgh this year. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely take the Reds system over. I would take the Reds franchise over the Pittsburgh franchise entirely at this point. For sure. Yeah, there is uh, one more guy we need to talk about. Um, <laughs> you guys know who it is. Uh, is it Hudson Head? To this podcast for more than a couple times, you probably know who it is. Anybody? Uh, is it Hudson Head? <laughs> yes, very good. Um, <laughs> That's everybody wants to talk about. I love Hudson Head so much. Um, I'm actually pretty happy to see him ranked where he is on this list. Uh, so it's probably <laughs> a lot to do with me because I tried to convince almost all of these people at one point or the other that Hudson Head is amazing. Um, so look at that at 21. He's ahead of uh, Matt Frazier, who I mentioned, Cannon Smith. Um, so I'm pretty happy about it. Hudson Head, uh, the write-up here was starting to lose a prospect shine thanks to a greater than 30% strikeout rate. That's not good. Uh, <laughs> um, but the guy still walks a ton and like, I still think that he's got a long way. Like, don't write him. He's so freaking young. He's 21. He's going to be in double a that's fine. What's wrong with that? We're good. It's just going to, it just took a lot longer than I, <laughs> I imagined. Uh, I do have that trade for Luis Ortiz just cause it's going to be eating my brain. I traded Rodolfo Castro, same system here no. for Luis Ortiz. No, that's a win I, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I, like I think I think Castro is going to be playing because his team stinks. But uh, just kind of gives you an idea that Luis Ortiz is going to be up as like the number three or four starter for this team, and you can get him for somebody like that pretty easily. So, but anyway, let's talk about Hudson Head some more. Is anybody <laughs> still in on Hudson Head? What do you think, well, Jeremy? Oh goodness! So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now i am crazy biased when it comes to hudson head because i was buying him all over the place two years ago and i mean he's just sitting there on my roster like a rock (laughs) um i don't know i to be honest i don't know um i think hudson head is one of those guys that there's so many like well what is it you know like he had so much hype there for a while that it's it was virtually impossible for him to live up to it right and then yeah you so you so you talk about a 30 percent strikeout rate but the dude walks a lot too and so like is he too passive and that's leading to strikeouts i don't know i i just no. he swings he's kind of <laughs> he he's an enigma to me I, I just uh let's let's put it this way i'm not buying hudson head but he's still sitting there on my roster and i'm still praying so <laughs> Okay, he had a 31% strikeout rate in 2021, and nobody cares about Hudson Head. I get it, but we're also like at an hour 20. So if you're still listening to this, you're going to get to hear about Hudson Head. Um, (laughs) This is so fascinating. Okay, so he had a 31% strikeout rate in 2021, which is not good, but 15% walk rate, very good. 38% hard hit rate. Fantastic. So, okay, he's learning how to hit the ball and he's waiting for his pitch. So 2022, he's certainly going to develop on that. But his walk rate went down, his strikeout Mm -hmm. rate went up, and his hard hit rate went down 10% to 28.4%. So I don't have a lot of good – I had stuff, like good stuff to say in 2021 still. There's just not a lot to say in 2022 that gets you excited. Well, 
but at least you can say that he stole 13 bases in 2022 and he only stole three in 2021. So there you go. Hang your hat on that. He's always, he's always supposed to have some speed, but I wish he didn't go to the, the pirates. I will always <laughs> say that. And if he would have stayed with the Padres, if you go back to my old, old articles, I had Hudson head and like runner up rookie of the year in 2023. I think it was, um, as I looked into the future, I I'm firmly believe that the Pirates ruined him and that the Padres had something magical. But we'll, hey, we'll end the podcast podcast on that note. It's hey, I was going to say one thing to remember. I'll give you a little bit of positivity maybe on Hudson Head is all these guys that missed 2020. I mean, oh, that's, for sure. that's oh. gosh, I couldn't imagine being a player. You've you played in college. You played baseball your whole life. You want to get to the pros and then you miss a whole year of development. Um, so maybe he's just a year behind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still 21 at, and he's going to be a double A. I'm imagining, I don't think they'll repeat him. It's going to be like double A, then triple A, then he's going to like make it. It's still going to be a while, but he's still 21. So, yeah. but um, one of my fetishes <laughs> in the prospect <laughs> world. Um, <laughs> still, I, I mean, if he hits, I got so many autographs of him on, on cards. Still haven't had a Bowman auto. They haven't made one yet. It shows you where he's at. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I want to take this time to thank you, Jeremy and Daryl, for staying up late. You guys are on the East Coast. I'm here on the West Coast, so it's just now uh, party time here. But I know it's long past the party time for you. You stayed up and hung out with me here on the podcast, so really appreciate it. So, Jeremy, we'll start with you. Anything you wanted to add to work uh, that you're working on, uh, your Twitter handle, anything that you want to plug here at the end? Yeah, so I'll give you my Twitter handle if you want to follow some more Cardinal information. It's uh, J-M-A-H-Y. Uh, oh, no, wait, that is not my Twitter handle. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, it's J-M-A-H-Y-F-A-M. J-M-A-H-Y fam. Sorry about that. Goodness. Um, so uh, I will say I, I covered the athletics last year. Um, I am a huge Cardinals fan. But I, I started covering the A's last year, and so I'm really just kind of diving in deeper into the Cardinal system. So um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start as I dig deeper into the Cardinal system. I hope to kind of find some of these deep guys like you talked about earlier that we can uh, pull up uh, that the Cardinals, you know, are going to develop into somebody that's a stud, maybe get a little more information on them. So that's kind of what I'm going to do. I, I'm still kind of learning the system. I'm still kind of uh, figuring out what beat writers um, I really like to follow um in this system so um after a full year of covering the a's i am no offense crazy happy to be with the cardinals so, yeah <laughs> it's fun good to hear good to hear and uh daryl you'll turn go ahead and uh take us home here with the stuff you're working on your twitter all that good stuff you want to share sure yeah if you guys want to follow on <clears throat> sorry if you want to follow along on twitter it's just at daryl halk i'm very original there so it's just <laughs> d-a-r-y-l and h-a-u-c-k so uh, I couldn't think of anything else. So, uh, but yeah, good, bringing you tons of Reds coverage this year. I'm super excited. I'm here in the Cincinnati area. So thankfully, most of the Reds affiliates are not too far away. So I plan on getting to Dayton and Chattanooga and Louisville to catch some games. So I'm not too far from any of those. So hoping I'm bringing a lot of live coverage. And just like Jeremy said, getting to know some of those players and see some of those players that we don't necessarily read about or might not show up in the you know, stats every week. So super excited about that. I uh, do have an article that's already written, just waiting to be published, uh, kind of mapping out what the shortstop position could look like for the Reds 
two, three, four years down the line. Where is Jonathan India going to play? Where is Ellie going to end up? Where are all these middle infeeders going to be? Who's the shortstop of the future? It's it's a fun article, I think, and just kind of a fun exercise to see what the Reds might do. So, uh, so yeah, I'm very thankful to be on here with you guys. I'm, I've been a Reds fan as long as I can remember. So it's super fun to cover this team now and uh, excited to be with you guys. Yeah, it's awesome to have some fans also – be the prospect guys. So I really like to hear that from you too. That's it for us here on futures focus. Again, my name is Alex Sanchez. Thank you so much. If you made it all the way through this podcast, this might be the longest episode we've ever done. If I'm being honest, (laughs) but who cares? We need some baseball content here in February. Um, WBC rosters got released. That was kind of fun. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but baseball is coming. And uh, these guys, you're going to hear about them hopefully in spring training and and you get them on your dynasty team. So again, this is futures focus. We're brought to you by prospects 1500. And next week we'll go over another division as we head towards spring training. So thank you for listening. We're out.